coming to you somewhat live on Tuesday night. Um, we have uh, Vincent T here again, and what also up? we have what up? We also have um, Troy coming back from last week to wrap up the draft for us. Um, I don't know. He's gonna, you know, uh, cover the steals, cover the bus, cover the. What, what do you think went wrong? What do you think went right? I know our mock drafts didn't turn out very well, um, but that's all right. We're not, we claim to be experts, but we're not that expert at what we do. Um, I'm just going to run through some current happenings here of the sports world. We have two NBA games currently going on tonight. We have the Wizards-Celtics game. We have the uh, Utah Jazz and the Golden State Warriors game starting later tonight. Um, we're almost at halftime there in Boston. NHL playoffs, the only thing that happened of note there is Crosby has concussion. He's out indefinitely, so that makes the NHL playoffs um, a lot more interesting, especially that series. Um, this Saturday night in the combat sports world, Julio, Julio Cesar Savez Jr. versus Canelo Alvarez. Saturday night, live from the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas. That is an HBO pay-per-view. Um, that's a little teaser for our next week's episode, which will cover uh, combat sports as well, that being the UFC 211 card. Um, could try to get some guys on there to break that down for us. Um, for today's episode, like I said, Troy's going to break down the draft. We have uh, Jeremy stationed in Louisville for the Kentucky Derby. He's going to break down the horses. Um, he's going to break down uh, what he's doing there, going to Derby, golfing, um, all kinds of good stuff we got coming straight out of Louisville for you. Um, so let's see here. Where am I at? Um, all right, so we'll bring Troy in here. He can cover um, the notes he took on the draft. Like I said, steals bust. Um, all the way down, number one, all the way up to Mystery Relevant, 253, and everything in the middle for you. Uh, so, welcome, Troy, to the show guys? today. Well, maybe not everything in between, because that well, would be Well, you never know. We could, we could cover all 253 <laughs> if we got time. We could cover everything the Penn of State guys, between, and that would let's be say real that. short. Everything of note in between, we'll say that. I definitely want to cover Mystery Relevant. Um... All right, well, all right, he wants to cover uh, Chad Kelly, so we'll, we'll get to him later. Um, I'll start it off first. Uh, you remember Dan and Luke, me, Troy, and T did a mock draft um, pending official results. It looks like Luke won. Um, the scores this year were super low because, obviously, the Bears trading up for Trubisky really threw everything off for everybody. Um Miles Garrett went first overall, which we all had, which everybody thought would happen. And then all hell broke loose with the Bears trading up to two. And Troy, you take it. All right, so that Bears trade, I don't know what the heck they were doing. But I don't know. There's two different sides to it. One where you can agree with the Bears that uh, they went up and got their guy. So if they thought he was a franchise quarterback, they might as well uh, – go up and get them, which they did. Uh, on the other side, it's they gave up way too much to go up one spot. 
give up the number three pick, 67, 111, and then next year's third round. Uh, for a team to have that many holes and to give up that much, uh, I don't know what the heck they were thinking, but as a Packer fan, uh, I love it. Trubisky, I, I don't believe in him, so I loved it as a Packer fan. Um, I got a, I got a note. Um, for Trubisky with the Bears, the Bears obviously have Mike Glennon, who they, uh, but he gets himself for in the off season and uh, ended up paying a lot of money too. Uh, who do you see taking over the reins there? You know, be it. Trubisky week one, middle of the season, or is he going to sit out? Uh, I think if you take Trubisky number two overall, you should just start him right away. But with the, they gave Glennon $15 million a year or whatever. So they'll probably they'll probably just stick with Glennon at first and then go with Trubisky. But honestly, I would go Trubisky right off the bat. You're not going to be that good anyway. So you might have to start him and get him in there and see what he has. Oh, paying... Glennon, $15 million a year, does kind of guarantee him that spot, but he's also only, you know, he's only the 22nd highest paid quarterback. Um, well, I guess Romo's kind of in there, so um, he would actually be the 21st highest paid quarterback. I, you know, I don't think that that necessarily should guarantee um, Glennon gets the spot. Um, I think I think Troy's right that you just, you just spent <laughs> draft capital to take um, Trubisky number two and you made a stupid trade to do it so I think the only way to cover yourself is to just throw him in the fire and I know that's that might not be the smartest move because it's the NFL and the last thing you want to do is wreck somebody's confidence um, but if you're taking him at that spot you have to believe in him and the only way to continue to show that you believe in him is just just hand over the reins right away from day one and you know it sucks for Glennon but He's going to pick up a $15 million paycheck for doing nothing, so I don't feel too bad for him. Yeah, I think it's funny how this happened to him pretty much twice because he's with the Bucks and he started there, and then uh, I think in his second year, after his second year or whatever, Jameis came in and started right away. So then he's a backup, and then he gets $15 million and the same shit's going to happen. So the dude has some pretty bad luck. Can't blame him for that. Um, I'm just running through the top ten. Just a note for my personal um, personal note for me. Um, the Jets at six taking Jamal Adams, who is possibly the best pound-for-pound player in the draft. Um, that isn't necessarily a vote of confidence for the quarterbacks they have on the roster, but um, they're stuck with them now. Uh, so that'll be an interesting quarterback competition in the Jets locker room this year. Yeah, they didn't reach like T thought they were the worst run franchise, which I don't think is the Jets. I think we can get that get to that later with the Buffalo Bills. But uh, <laughs> also in the top ten, I thought there was a couple of reaches. Uh, Corey Davis at five to the Titans. I thought that was a little high for him. Yeah, uh, like a week up to the draft, they thought he was going to fall to like the twenties, and then also. John Ross at number nine. Uh, I don't know. He's just he's a, a small frame, so I don't know if you can if he's going to be able to hold up. I know T liked him with the Eagles, but uh, possibly if he fell there. But at number nine, that's a little high, especially since they took uh, Tyler Boyd last year in the second round. 
but I guess we'll see. Uh, the rest of the top ten I thought was pretty good. Jets with Jamal Adams was, I think, they hit gold there. A couple years ago, Leonard Williams photo him. Now, Jamal Adams, they couldn't go wrong there. Uh, Mike Williams on the top ten as well, but I feel he was um, in that class regardless of where he went, you know, five, seven, or ten. I think he was the one talent who was good enough to go in that in that round. Uh, the Chiefs get perhaps quarterback of the future with Mahomes at ten. Uh, Texans also quarterback at twelve, Deshaun Watson, who I know you're Yeah, I think that was a great trade up. They finally got their quarterback. He's a leader. He can win the big games. He's not afraid to uh, fling it down the field. So I think that was a great move. I think their draft overall was pretty good because second round they took Zach Cunningham out of Vanderbilt. He was a lot of people thought he was going to go in the first round in the teens or in the twenties. So they got good uh, value there. And then in the third round they took Deontay Foreman who's uh, the running back from Texas. Uh, they'll form a real good one-two punch with Lamar Miller. So overall, from top to bottom, or those first three rounds of Texans, I think they killed it, especially with Watson. They're saying right now that he's not going to start right away, but I think he's going to get in there and prove that he can learn the offense f- fast and I think he's going to lead them deep into the playoffs this year. Uh, yeah, I think... Watson is a good fit for uh, Bill O'Brien there, sort of a quarterback guru they have there. I think he can mold him any, what he wants him to be, what he, what he can do there, and I think that's a good fit. Um, scrolling down, I think the Colts ended up with Malik Hooker at 15. I think that's a good value pick for them. And going to another guy you were high on in the first episode was Adoree Jackson to the Titans yeah, at 18. got that right for once, top 20 pick, so... I was right on that with one thing in my mock draft, but back to Hooker. How the heck did he fall that far? I was, I couldn't believe it. I thought he was going to go, possibly top seven or so. But uh, falling to sixteen, the Colts. I think they're they're building something good there on the defensive side of the ball. Hooker from Western Pennsylvania, so uh, he's a my boy. I got to root for those guys. Yeah, I thought, uh, I, thought yeah, they, I thought they got a steal with that pick. I mean, his game kind of reminds me of Bob Sanders, and I and I feel like he he's gonna remind people of what Bob Sanders did in Indy, and you know, there's a lot of comparisons to be made there. And I'm with you. I just I didn't think he was gonna pass, get past the Chargers. Um, they obviously went with Mike Williams. They want to build through the future, but also build now with you know Philip Rivers's getting up there in age so um <clears throat> but yeah i thought i thought he was he could potentially be the steal of the draft just because um how high he was rated and sort of how low he went com- you know compared to where uh all of us expected him to go yeah I- it's funny you mentioned bob sanders because that was the comparison i was just about to throw out uh bob sanders also from erie or from pennsylvania he's from erie pennsylvania um playing that kind of intimidate or safety role for the Colts. Yeah, another thing, Hooker, uh, he reminds me a lot of uh, Ed Reed, too. The dude's just a ball hockey. He's, he's like a center fielder, and he I think he had like seven picks this year. It was like really his only year he played, so something like an Ed Reed, Bob Sanders, both things. I think Colts got a steal there. 
might be the best pick in the draft. I can get to the Packers right now, I guess. I did like what, uh, at first I wanted them to take Reuben Foster, his fall. Couldn't, I thought he'd go earlier than what he did at 31, just because he was a stud, but I understand his diluted sample and everything. But I was hoping Green Bay was going to take him, or uh, Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon. But they ended up trading out 29-33 to 33 with the, the Browns, so they picked up that uh, first round, they're the first pick in the second round, and then the first pick in the fourth round. And then uh, they finally got their cornerback in this with pick 33, Kevin King from Washington. He's a big physical corner. He can run fast. He's fast. I think he ran a 4-4-3 four, four, or something like that. And then uh, that was their motto in the, of the draft was get bigger and faster. And they definitely did that. And then later in the second round, they took Josh Jones from NC State. He's a big, big-time safety, six foot two, ran a four-four-one. Uh, he's going to be like a Dion Buchanan, like I compared Jabril Peppers to. Um, so I liked what they did with their draft with the first two picks. I know we talked about Jabril Peppers at length in our first episode, um, who ended up going twenty-five overall to the Browns. Um, I think it's a good pick for the Browns. Uh, I think he can. Well, I, I don't know. I think he can play well on that on the defense, well enough on the defense to make an impact anyway this season. You're either gonna he's gonna be a boomer a bust I think, and with the Browns I think it's leaning more towards bust just because it's the Browns. But you might who knows if you're gonna he- even hear about him this year or in the next couple years because. I think they're going to be pretty bad. So, I don't know. He He's going to be able to play all over, and I guess they're going to put him in offense, too. That's what uh, Hugh Jackson said. So, I guess they're going to see what he has, and I think they're – I hope they just don't try to make him like he was at Michigan where he didn't have a position or anything. I think that would hurt him more than help him because I think he needs to focus on that one position. But uh, – my, I'm going to lean towards bust with him because it's the Browns most, really. Got blood in here. Um, but that's a problem with him. He doesn't really have a position. You know, what is he? Uh, like last week I said he was going to be a, like a nickel linebacker where he could cover the tight end or something like Deion Buchanan from Arizona. But, yeah, I think, I think he needs to... St- settle on something I'm not sure what that's going to be yeah. it's almost like he's a role player with a star name yeah exactly he's that great college player which who knows what the hell he's going to do in the NFL yeah, I mean he's not your ball hawking safety he doesn't have the speed to cover the whole field he's too small to be a presence up in the front seven so what is he No, nope, that's a fair point. I think he's um <clears throat> I think he's everything Troy said. Um he, to me he's the Palomalu guy. I mean, and there's only one fit for him and that was Pittsburgh and unfortunately Pittsburgh I mean he didn't fall to Pittsburgh, so I, I just don't see how anybody else can leverage his skill set the way that the Steelers could have and and I think that's gonna be a problem for him, especially if Troy's right, and and obviously he heard it from, or Hughes Jackson said it. Um, if 
he's just going to move them all around the field and offense and defense and special teams. Either he's going to play 90 game or 90 plays a game, or he's going to fizzle out because he didn't focus on any one position. And it, unfortunately, those guys tend to fizzle out unless they're, you know, unless he would have made it to the Steelers or, you know, the Patriots would have been another location because Belichick would have found a way to utilize his sort of diversity in that position, you know, you know, across the field. So. Um, he, you know, he went to the Browns. They're a bad franchise, and I think, uh, unfortunately, that's going to hurt him. Yeah, and just because you wore blue and maize doesn't make you see wood. So I think that's what they're going to try and turn him into. But yeah, he's that's, not. A, that's probably a good, um, you know, good thought. Uh, we had a, a little run-in from Jeremy there into the into the ring per se. Um. I'm just going through the second round here, and what caught my eye is the Panthers at 40 taking Curtis Samuel. Uh, that's another offensive weapon for uh, Cam Newton. Uh, so they got McCaffrey early. They got Samuel in the second, obviously trying to take some of the some of the pressure off Cam. Um, I hear Kevin Benjamin showed up overweight again this season. I thought last season it was just because his his knee was blown out and he couldn't work out and all that good stuff, but apparently it's turn into a bad habit so that's a, a big question mark for them on the outside yeah um, I've seen that I see well I've seen that Benjamin showed up overweight again but they must not be too worried because they also picked up his uh, fifth year option I think it was today or yesterday so they must not be too worried but they're definitely surrounding cam with uh, big weapons big time weapons with McCaffrey and Samuel I know can his uh, Cam's uh, completion percentage was like 52% last year, and that's that's pretty bad. So these guys are going to be, uh, I think, they're a lot of short passes. And if he can't do it this year, I think Jeremy might have been right two years ago when uh said Cam wasn't that good. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he does this year with all these uh, weapons. And he might he might put up better numbers than uh, his MVP year, which he, sh- he should because of McCaffrey and Samuel, so I guess we'll see. That takes me down to uh, the Joe Mixon pick. I know Troy was hoping that his Packers would take him, and that didn't happen. Um, I just think that's somebody we should have the conversation about. Um, he, you know, he's he's had to obviously serve that suspension for his incident. He served a year suspension, and now he's. He's in the league with a team who has a history of taking, you know, those kind of character issue guys and, you know, sometimes having a good run with them, sometimes not being able to turn them around. Um, any thoughts for Joe Mixon in Cincinnati this year? When coming in, I thought uh, he he learned his lesson because he hasn't done anything since then. But when you go to freaking Cincinnati, you never know. They got Pac-Man Jones and Vontez Perfect. Those guys are constantly getting in trouble. So I think he changed. Mixon changed after that, as much as I heard. That's why I wanted the Packers to take him. But going into an environment like the Bengals, I'm I'm not sure. Hopefully he stays out of trouble because the kid has a lot of potential. Like I said last week, I, I see him as like a Le'Veon Bell. So hopefully someone takes him under their wing, maybe A.J. Green, and uh, he hands out and doesn't hang out with Pac-Man or anything. 
Well, I think the other problem with Cincinnati is how are you going to find time behind Jeremy Hill and Geo unless one of those two guys gets moved? And that might even be a theme after training camp in general is running backs on the move because, as you guys know, Peterson went to the Saints, and, you know, what are they going to do with Ingram? I mean, maybe Ingram and Hill find new teams or Ingram and Gio Bernard find new teams, but Mixon's going to a Bengals team where their backfield is already kind of stacked, in my opinion, and I don't see him breaking in and taking over one of those two spots unless he comes in on the rookie mini camps and and then the rest of the offseason and just completely wows the coaching staff of the Bengals. Um, but having said that, that might also be a good thing that they don't have to play him right away and he can sort of continue to um, have no pressure, so to speak, and and sort of grow into an NFL running back. I think he's, uh, I'll go out on a limb and say he's going to be the starter coming out of training camp. Uh, I know I'm a huge Jeremy Hill fan. I've been for the last two years, but... Uh, he averaged like three yards a carry last year, or under. And then uh, Gio, Gio's coming off an ACL mm-hmm. tear, so I'm going to say Mixon's going to start right off the bat, even though I do really like Jeremy Hill. So Mixon will be the starting back, and I think he's going to tear it up in fantasy as well. Uh, Troy, so I know you were pretty adamant about um, T.J. Watt coming into the league and being a bum, and you didn't want the Packers to take him. And I know you also hate the Steelers with a with a passion, so I'm just interested to see or hear your opinion on, you know, the Steelers taking and your opinion, you know, a bum in T.J. Watt. I think my uh, wish came true from last week that the Steelers would take a bum, and they did in T.J. Watt. I don't think he's very good. He's only played like a year at a outside linebacker. He was a tight end before. So it's a perfect match for me. I can't stand the Steelers, can't stand T.J. Watt. I don't think he's going to be really anything. Uh, the Steelers, they haven't been able to develop outside linebackers lately. They had Jarvis Jones, who they spent a first-round pick on, and then uh, Bud Dupree, they drafted pretty early. Dupree had a pretty good year last year, but uh, many people in the league thought Watt's teammate Vince Beagle, who was the first pick of the fourth round for the Packers. They think he was, he made T.J. Watt, is what many, a lot of scouts said. And they think that he'll have a better NFL career than T.J. Watt. So watch for Vince Beagle with the Packers. And I think they got the right Wisconsin outside linebacker in the fourth round instead of taking the bum T.J. Watt in the first round like the Steelers. I was just going to say, um, you know, since Troy talked about the Packers a little bit, um, I just wanted to comment on the Eagles draft um, before we get to Jeremy. Uh, did you uh, have before, anything before we get there, though? Before, yeah, before you go to the Eagles, uh, since we were talking about the Steelers, uh, they drafted some more local local talent by the name of James Conner out of Erie, Pennsylvania. Went to school right there in Pittsburgh, shared the stadium with them, playing in college. Um Good, you know, good heartwarming story. You know, cancer, beat cancer, I believe, two off-seasons ago, came back to play. Um, before he got sick, I, I think he would probably would have been a first-round pick, you know, up there with all the other the good crop of running backs. So 
Connor is one of my, I've been following him since high school, one of my favorite players. And I really, last week I said that I wanted the Packers to take him. Unfortunately, he had to go with the Steelers, but I might have to buy, suck it up and buy a Steelers jersey. Uh, just, uh, he's the man. I mean, he's been through so much. He beat cancer. He's working out with a fate, with a, a thing over his face. Uh, just outdoing all the other athletes at Pitt, all the other football players outdoing them while he's on chemo. So it is a great story, like you said, and I think he's going to be a great. He's going to be a good running back in the NFL. At first, I mean, he's going to be behind Le'Veon at first, but who knows what's going to happen with him? He'll be a solid number two behind him at first, and uh, depending if the Steelers get rid of him next year or not, I think he can. Uh, he can handle the running back number one load. If he didn't get that cancer, like you said, I think he was a first-round pick. He stacked right up against all those guys. He's the he was the ACC Player of the Year the the year before he got cancer. So the dude has talent. I'm a huge fan, and he I may be snagging one of his jerseys up. Yeah, absolutely. You can't teach heart. That's one thing you can't teach. Reminds me of Vinny Paz. I just want to step in here for a second and say Troy might not want to listen, re-listen to this podcast when it comes out because earlier he said Jeremy might be right, and then he just said he's going to buy a Steeler jersey. Those are probably two <laughs> things that I never heard, never thought I'd hear Troy say, and he said them both within a half hour of each other. So I never thought I'd say I'm it not. either, but. I... <laughs> It might be happening. Cam Newton, I don't know, his year last year is pretty bad. but And then a Steeler jersey, oh, I don't want to at all, but if it means getting a James Conner jersey, I think I might have to do it. Unless I find a James Conner pit jersey, so that'll do. There you go. There you go. Uh, I believe, tro- I believe um, T here was about to go into his uh, Eagles breakdown, which, if I'm not mistaken, he wrote up a little, a little, uh, a blog post, I guess, and put it on our website. Um, yep. Yeah, okay. So you could uh, uh, bring that home for us. Yeah, I think, um, so yeah, like Vince said, it's on our, it's on our thing, uh, ch79pod.wordpress.com. You can see the, the blog post i'll just run through some of the highlights i think they did a pretty good job drafting this year um i know they obviously focused on defense with their first three picks um you know their first selection they picked Derek barnett which i believe troy last week said you know is probably going to be the best defensive ed slash pass rusher from this class so i'm happy with that pick i mean he um in his career in tennessee um he had more sacks than Reggie White, which is impressive. Um, he also finished his college career with one less sack than Von Miller, and um, he had more sacks than Miles Garrett, who went first this year. Vic Beasley, Aaron Donald, and uh, Cleo Mack. So, you know, those are some really good names. Some of you know current pass rushers that you know Barnett sort of has won over, at least in his college career. Now that won't obviously always translate into the NFL and I think as long as he works works hard like he's supposed like he's you know his um his pedigree says he is I think that he'll fit nicely into Jim Schwartz's um 
defensive scheme and bring up their sack record from last year. They only had 34, um, so I think if they can get into the 40s, that would be good. Um, and then in their second pick, they took Sidney Jones, and McShay actually had Sidney Jones as the second best cornerback in this class uh, before he tore his Achilles in on his pro day. So it's a little bit of a reach for me, but if he can come back from the Achilles in late um, October, early November, and s- sort of contribute and get on the field this year, um, and then come into 2018 fully healed and ready to be an impact cornerback, then I'll take that. Um, and f- and then their third pick, they went cornerback again, and they took uh, Rasul Douglas out of West Virginia, and he finished last year with the most sacks. He had eight, I believe, on the season, uh, one more than Hooker. So anybody, you know, if, if you're telling me that the Eagles got the guy that broke Reggie White's sack record at Tennessee and had the guy who had the most interceptions last year, and those were a couple of their picks, then, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. So, you know, that's just where I stand with the Eagles draft. Um, and I know Jeremy, he's on the line. Um, if you have anything that you want to say about uh, the Raiders, because you're a Raiders fan, uh, feel free to jump in here before we get to the uh, Derby. The only thing I have a problem with with the Raiders draft is they still have not addressed their need for that up-the-middle force that they've been lacking for a decade. I mean, the last middle linebacker they had that was worth anything was Kirk Morrison, which I couldn't even tell you last time he played with Silver and Black on. I think they would have took Foster, but being burned by the Rolanda McLean pick, made them gun shy so addressing their secondary yes they needed to do that but that's still a gaping need when it comes to the middle of their defense yeah. you gotta stop the run first and yeah that's i think the problem i have i think unfortunately i mean I, I was high on ob and i'm surprised they got i'm surprised he went that late but that's one of those picks that the raiders typically make and i'd like to see them move away from sort of that freak athlete and pick somebody who can help them in a different position um but that's just so that's our raiders report i just have one more draft note uh as far as penn state draft picks go chris godwin went in the third round to the tampa bay buccaneers um godwin had a, a monster season for penn state I was trying to look up his stats. I think that's why my computer crashed earlier. But I know he... Couldn't find them. He, he, <laughs> they were too good. I, I couldn't get them up. Oh, yeah. But I know, he, uh, I know he went up against good good cornerback talent in, in a lot of his games. He had a Dory Jackson in the Rose Bowl, who he, he put up some numbers against. He had that kid from Iowa who got drafted. He put up good numbers against... Um, I don't know if he was matched up with that kid from Ohio State or not, um, but he had some good numbers against that secondary as well. Um, so uh, with with uh, Mike Evans getting double teamed on one side of the field, he might have had some room to to do his thing on the other side of the field. So that's just personal personal note for me, being a Penn State fan. Godwin goes to the 
the Bucks. Um, we had Dan on last week who set the over-under for me, the 2.5 Penn State players drafted. Obviously, we, we only got one, but I believe everybody who was draft eligible signed somewhere, at least to show up to camp. So that's always a good thing. You never know what will happen going from there. Um, I believe that's all my draft notes. If anybody has anything else they want to want to get, I just wanted to add like two things. So, oh, I know. Oh, we yeah, got Chad. Yeah, you want to hit mystery relevant? Mystery relevant. Yeah. I think this is the first time I think he's going to make a team. Chad Kelly out of Ole Miss. The dude has so much talent. He was just an idiot off the field. He had some injuries too, but uh, I think he's going to be a starter for the Broncos halfway through the year. I'm just going to make a bold prediction with that. So Chad Kelly, Mr. Irrelevant, will be a starter, the starting quarterback for the Broncos halfway through this year. Okay, everyone stop. Make sure there's non-apocalypse going. I well, love Chad Kelly as well. Oh, Jesus. So I think, I think uh, that prediction is a snapshot of, the, of how, how far the quarterback position has fallen. It is. I mean, you find we someone got, who can actually throw the football, and it's like he's going to be a god. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, there's maybe. I mean, this is a conversation for a whole podcast. But there's maybe half a dozen quarterbacks who give your team a chance to win a Super Bowl at the start of the year. I would say, yeah. There's probably if if that there might be less than that. Yeah. So that's why so that's why we're seeing all these quarterbacks go in the first round. I mean, God, that kid from Iowa got drafted in the third round who I didn't even know knew knew anything. And that was worst pick in the draft. See that that dude has no reason to get drafted and taken out of third round, that just boggles my mind. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean Teams are so desperate for quarterbacks, but like I said, we we could and we maybe we will do a whole podcast on that. But I think we need to. Absolutely, one hundred percent. All right, uh, we'll think of a cute name for our, our quarterback podcast, quarterback apocalypse, maybe, and we'll we'll bring Jeremy. Where have all the quarterbacks kid. gone? Where have all the quarterbacks gone? I like it. <laughs> I like it. We'll get. We'll get a podcast for that. We'll get all of our all of our quarterback gurus on for that episode, and we'll we'll get probably ten million downloads that episode. It'll be so good. <laughs> all right, we uh, wrapped up our draft there. We had Troy on, who's turning into our one of our um, experts. Anyway, we had a nice uh, a nice uh, episode idea. Going to be the where have all the quarterbacks gone? coming up in a few weeks, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, now, I believe T and, and uh, well, now Jeremy, our uh, Kentucky Derby insider stationed in Louisville with our, our even more of an insider there, Alex, who is permanently stationed in Louisville, is going to cover the Derby. Um, I did a little bit of research. I'm going to throw out a couple horses I like just for stupid reasons. Um I made some note, a couple other notes, but I think Jeremy and T are going to carry us through the Derby, through the fastest two minutes in all the sports. 
Yep, that's a that's a pretty good segue. Um, this is the you know the was this the 143rd running of the Kentucky Derby, so there's been a lot of them, and has been said, um, it's usually the usually billed as the most exciting two minutes in sports or the fastest two minutes in sports. Um, I think both will be fitting this year. Um, like you said, Jeremy's in Louisville. Um, and first, I'd like to just get to him and and talk to him because last year he was at uh, the Kentucky Derby, so I just wanted to get sort of a sense of you know what the experience is like being at the Derby versus being at you know another horse racing event. So um, any insight you could provide there, Jared, would be um, would be good. So when you go to Derby, it's just the experience you have and the atmosphere it's just amazing like you cannot be sad when you go to a kentucky derby it is impossible everyone is so happy probably because they're all just slamming bourbon all day but (laughs) regardless it's a great experience and the only other horse race i have to compare it to is a downs after dark where i actually got to stand within five feet of american pharaoh so well, that's pretty good. <laughs> that was pretty good. So, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty solid. Going to Derby, it's just watching all the horses come through the paddock. Mm-hmm. It's everyone being there, all dressed up. It's just an awesome day. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of the better events of the year. I mean, it, I know some people argue whether it's a sporting event or not because you know they're horses, but to me, it's it's one of the better sporting events of the year, and. It, it sort of fits nicely coming off of the draft, which is another great sporting event of the year. Um, and of course, the you know the funnest part about the Derby or horse racing in general is, is the gambling part. Um, and I know that <clears throat> a lot of people focus on the actual Derby part with the three-year-old Colts, um, but there's a lot of actual horse races, and I don't I'm not sure people even know how many races there are, you know, during the day with only the Kentucky Derby sort of getting the bulk of the coverage. Um, so, you know, having said that, I, th- I think we should just get right into, you know, what horses we have and, and who we like this year. So, um, yeah, I is mean, there anybody? I, I, I oh, kind of want to add on that point you have there, T. Mm-hmm. The only people that really know that there are much more races than just the Derby are the betters because for the most part, you don't make money on the Derby unless you're willing to put up fat stacks because mm-hmm. in the past three or four years, the favorite's always winning. And even if you do box a trifecta, you're not going to get paid that well for it. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're going to make your money in the races that are well before. Even on Friday, you can make a lot more money than just on the Derby race. Yep. But the Derby race is the moneymaker. You know? It's mm-hmm. all the glam. So, but yep. we can go into the Derby, the Run for the Roses, and what we're seeing this year. Yeah, because I, I think I think it, and it gets it gets all the publicity because obviously, you know, it's it's the first event in the Triple Crown series, and there's only and and that's sort of the allure of the Kentucky Derby is 
after that's after it's run, you know, there's only one horse then that can qualify for the Triple Crown for that year, and, and I think that gets a lot of attention from both betters and just the casual fans. And and you'll see plenty of athletes. I think you know Wes Welker's a, you know, Tom pretty Brady, well known to yeah, everyone, like yeah. Yep, they're Absolutely. pretty well known to you know, and and they make it an event. It's more of an event than you know award shows, and and that says a lot about you know what the Derby has become, you know, over time. <clears throat> yeah. so. It's the Masters of horse racing. If it were to be normal Derby conditions, where it's a mid seventies day, nice fast track, where we have good weather, there is probably four to five horses that would be up there that would be battling out and if one had a good day they could beat the other but in my opinion right now if you look at the forecast and see how the track conditions are going to be it, it it's it's a complete toss-up i mean you're going to have maybe six to eight horses that have a chance to win this derby um, yeah my um, favorite i love gunavera and the slow track is going to assist him because he tends to go to the back right away. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it would have been a fast track if he could have made up that ground because he gives away a ton of ground right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. But with a slower track, I think he's going to be within... I, I, I think it's going to be with like a quarter of a length, half length mm-hmm. when it comes to the results in this. It's... It's going to be an exciting race. Yeah, one thing you have to take into account, though, with a slow track, that means a slow pace. For so, the the closers make up their ground when there's a fast pace, and the horses in the front run themselves out. So, with a slow pace, your 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 late closers have less of an impact generally. So, a a, a slow track may actually hurt him more than helps him. And that's why he's the expert. Yep, and the, and that was the expert, Alex, coming in, chiming in from from louisville as, as vince mentioned um but yeah it's interesting that you noted that the weather i haven't i haven't looked at it but it looks like <clears throat> thursday 100 percent rain in louisville friday 90 percent rain in louisville saturday when it's run 70 percent rain in louisville i mean it, it, it sounds like it's going to be a sloppy um a sloppy course or track um having said that though uh my pick for this year is gormley I just think that you know he's been one of the fastest horses this year, and that doesn't necessarily matter when you're doing tri- or uh, when you're doing like a box trifecta, for instance, because the box trifecta doesn't really matter what order they come in as long as you pick the top three. Um, but he's been one of the fastest, and he's also jockeyed by Victor Espinosa, I believe, and he won the Derby in 2015, riding American Pharaoh, who won the Triple Crown that year, and actually. Um, he in the last three years he's won two of the derbies, so I like that about Gormley. Um, Vince, do you have uh, anyone in? I know you did a little bit of research on these horses. Do you have anyone in particular that you think is going to win? Uh, yeah. Um, I, like like I said, I did a little bit of research. I'm playing the role of more of of the casual fan who's just going to turn on, you know, turn it on in the morning and watch the race and. You know, just in, in, just enjoy the two minutes. So I just have a couple notes. Uh, you mentioned Gormley, who is uh, Victor Espinosa's horse this race. I just made a note that he had uh, he rode American Pharaoh and California Chrome. 
to victory. And then I have a note for IRAP, who is a, is a jockey by Mario Gutierrez, who won last year. So that's just some some quick notes I made. As far as horses go, I guess um, a horse that may actually have a chance of winning, I don't know, is Irish Warcry. He's currently 13-2 to two in um, the odds I looked up. Um, basically, he's... As, I mean, as far as I picked two other horses, um, just of note, but their odds are way down, just for just for other reasons. But Irish Warcry would be my favorite horse. That I don't even know if he has a shot to win, but his odds aren't bad. Um, he's a I, I don't really know much about him. I just I like the way he looked in the picture I saw of him, and his odds aren't terrible, so I put him down. Um, another cool story uh, for a horse that they'll probably be covering on TV a lot. The horse name is Patch. Um, this horse only has one eye, and so he's going to be running the Derby with one eye, blind on one side. So that's kind of an interesting story. More that, like I said, that's more of a a TV story for them to cover. You know, kind of a feel good story. Uh, he's currently at forty to one, and the horse way down the bottom of the odds is called Fast and Accurate at sixty six to one. Only reason I threw him in is because he has a cool that cool gray color that you don't see a lot. <laughs> and they those horses never win, but they're they're cool looking. So I just yeah. thought hey, I'd make note of that tap too. <laughs> hey, Tappet's <laughs> Tappet's a that, Tappet's a gray too. North American yeah, Tappet's a gray. Yeah, fantastic gray colts. One other thing with fast and accurate, this horse has never ran in actual dirt. Yep, that's what well, I was going to point out. First time that for too. everything. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Like I said, I just. I like that the gray, like you said, the gray colt color. I like that. I think it's cool. I think I don't know. I think it stands out. You know, Irish Warcry. I mentioned earlier, he's a nice, you know, reddish brown color, real bright color, real pretty horse. So that's just yeah. the kind of stuff that I was looking for. You guys are more the experts here. I'm more just a casual fan of this conversation. Yeah, and I think I think Jeremy brings up a good point there with the, and I was going to bring it up is the fast and accurate. He, he doesn't run on dirt, which. Um, is kind of concerning when you also bring in the fact that like jeremy said earlier it's probably going to be mu- a me- you know a muddy mess so he's used to running on turf where he has no sort of resistance uh, and uh, yeah sure. alex come uh, in with the trifecta knowledge uh, trifecta is an exotic wager so normally when you bet a horse race you say you want to pick a horse to win so a trifecta is a more complicated version of that instead of just picking one horse to win you're picking not only the horse to win, you're picking the top three horses in order. So you're picking the, first, the horses that's going to come in first place, the horse that's going to come in second place, and the horse that's going to come in third place in the order that you pick, in the order that they're going to finish. Uh, the box wager means that it's the same same idea, but you're betting every combination of those three horses. So the trifecta wager with three horses, there are six combinations that they can finish. So if you're betting a $1 trifecta and you boxed it, there's six combinations that'll cost you $6 to bet that kind of, those combinations. Yep, and the box trifecta is a little bit less efficient because you're probably throwing in a horse that might be 16 or 20 to 1, and the odds of him finishing first are less than probably your top horse which is probably four to one or five to one so if you're if you're playing the box trifecta like alex said you're playing all the combinations where in reality you don't think that that 20 to one is going to 
is going to win. So maybe you don't want to play the box trifecta if you don't have him ever. Yeah, I, I'm going to box it, you know. So the three horses I have are Gunavera, Gormley, and Always Dreaming. Um, as I said before, I do think Gunavera is going to win. Not sure why, just, you know, gut feeling. Um, but, again, with the field we have and the conditions we are going to see on Saturday, it really is a crapshoot. Um, this is kind of where you make your money because usually it is the favorites coming in. They're going to win, so you're going to have to put up thousands of dollars just to make it worth your while so yep it'll it, it really is going to be one of the most interesting derbies in the past decade or so yeah i think i think a lot of <clears throat> you know the pundits are sort of saying that is if you look at some of their expert picks they have a, a mishmash of who the top five are going to be and then sort of the bottom ten sort of stay the same after that um yeah. i know a lot less people you know once you get to 10 even before then really even five or six you kind of stop caring but the top five seem to be you know some some have always dreaming winning then some of them have you know classic empire winning and some of them have um even gervin winning but gervin's a little bit of an interesting story because i believe he has a cracked hoof um uh, some of you may have Gunavera winning, so so those five top five and top six horses are getting a lot of the love, and it just depends on what expert you look at on that day to see where they have them. And you could have somewhere, like I said, you know, always dreaming could be in fifth, fourth, third, or second, or first, you know, on on any of the experts' picks. Um, so I also did a box trifecta, and. <clears throat> My picks were Gormley, like I said, for the obvious re or the, the reasons I said before. Um, I also put McCracken in my box trifecta. Um, this is the sort of the home track. He sort of has the home track advantages. Advantage. He's won multiple races at Churchill Down as a two-year-old. Um, so I like him uh, <clears throat> in my box. And then I actually have w one of the mystery horses this year, uh, Thundersnow. He's a bit of a wild card, and he scares me a bit. Um, after traveling from the Middle East in the in the UAE Derby in Dubai a little over a month ago, um, the other reason he scares me is I believe he lacked success as a two-year-old, um, but in his last couple races, he's really started to turn it around. And to me, that's important that you're coming in with momentum. And he's also at the at that race in Dubai. They race uh, a mile and three sixteenths, which is the longest of the of the pre races leading into the Derby. So I think that gives him a little bit of an advantage coming in, where they obviously in the Derby they run a mile and a quarter. So um, <clears throat> those round out my top three. Um, Alex, do you have have you put any thought into uh, a trifecta, a box trifecta. It's yeah, okay if you yeah. haven't, but yeah. So my my top choice is always dreaming. Um, so I think obstacle number one in the theory is uh, the field size. It's a twenty horse field. Um, a good horse can get walked in very easily. So 
Um, I'm not a huge fan of late closers in the Derby. Uh, so I like a horse that can be out on the front end, uh, either setting or stalking the face. So I saw a little bit of early speed from Always Dreaming in the fourth Derby. Um, and he looked like one of the few horses that still wanted to run at a mile and an eighth when he crossed the line. So I, I like him as one to, to want to get that mile and a quarter distance. Um, so he's, he's probably looking like my top pick right now. Um, I, I do like Gunnavera. He was my Derby future waiter. Had him way back in pool one. Um, got some nice odds on him to win. Uh, he has a nice stride. I'm not sure they had him totally cranked up in the Florida Derby. So I'm going to put a line through that one. Um, he, he ran third, which was a decent effort, but uh, I'm not, they, they knew they didn't need to win that. He had enough points to qualify for the Derby before that. So I think that was more of a, a maintenance race for him than a go out and try to win it. Um, so I'm hoping he still has a big effort in him. My, my other choice, I'm going to throw a semi-long shot in there. I'm hoping to get maybe 20 to 1 or better on him come Derby Day. Um, I like Hence actually coming out of the Sunland Derby. Um, he, he, I, I don't think he got a whole lot of respect when in that race until IRAP went on and ran a big race in the Bluegrass. Came out the winner at 31 to 1. Um, a lot of the other uh, Sunland Derby horses came out of the Sunland and went on to run big races in their uh, other races afterwards. So that kind of boosted the uh, perception of how he ran in Sunland. So uh, my trifecta is going to be uh, Always Dreaming, Benavera, and Hints. Alright, sounds good. <clears throat> I think then um, our sort of our picks are, I had Gormley, uh, Jeremy had Gunavera, Vince had Irish Warhorse, and Alex had Always Dreamin'. Um, I think those are four pretty good picks uh, to win it. Um, they're all within the sort of top echelon of the horses, so they're definitely expected to be finishing in the top three. Um, I think, is there anything else that... Um, Anybody wants to add to... I'm just going to be watching Randy Moss do the coverage on TV. What? Wait, Randy Moss is covering the derby? <laughs> the bald white guy. What? Yeah, the white oh, guy. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, didn't you know Randy Moss was racing one of them? <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah, Randy Moss. Every year I'm like, oh man, Randy Moss is a derby and then it's not... Not who I was expecting. They get me every year. Yeah, I think the only thing else, the only other thing that we have to touch on a little bit here is me and Jeremy have a gentleman's bet. Um, you know, he's a golfer and he's going to go play at Valhalla. So you want to talk a little bit about, you know, what you're expecting at Valhalla? Maybe what you're expecting to shoot? I mean, I know you're going to shoot in the hundreds, but. Uh, <laughs> If you want to, if you want to go into it, go ahead. Uh, I mean, if you want to shy away from the discussion, that's fine too. All right. So tomorrow at eight ten a.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be teeing off at Valhalla Golf Club. Thanks to Daniel P. Shout out. Um, we're gonna be playing from the Black Tees, which is sixty nine seventy five. So. 7,000 yards. 
And T and I have a little over-under wager here. At the beginning of the week, it started at 85, but it's going to be like mid-50s and cloudy. So, And it's been raining in Louisville for a couple days now. So I'm not going to get any roll on my drives. So I, I squeaked a couple more strokes out of him. So it's at 88 now. So T has $20 that I don't shoot under 88. Yep. So I'm going to do my damnedest to beat that tomorrow. And the thing I have in my back pocket, I have a caddy that's going to read every putt that I have. So, Oh, did you take Vo with you? <laughs> no, I have a caddy that actually knows the course and knows golf. Oh. So, <laughs> so it's, it's pretty exciting for me because I've never had a caddy that actually has known what he's doing. So it's, it's going to be very interesting tomorrow. I take... We're taking unnecessary shots at Bo, which I don't think he's going to appreciate. <laughs> Love you, Bo. <laughs> um, who are you playing with, Jared? I am playing with Steve Stanovich, uh, Aaron Rzbursky's roommate at Romo. Um, he actually works at... Okay, he lived with Alex, too, but yeah, Alex was just kind of like the bystander, you know. Hey, Alex, this is my roommate. Yeah, you know. they, were, they were desperate in the the fourth, so. Yeah, so. Whatever. But Alex and Steven work at Humana together. And Steve is actually lucky to be an acquaintance of mine. There's the word again. So oh, we're going to play Valhalla tomorrow. <laughs> Even that acquaintance word. <laughs> I feel like I'm Free Humana plug. Free Humana plug, Alex. That was a Humana plug. Yeah, everyone's trying to go buy a And Alex will be working very hard tomorrow. Yes. Yeah, but tomorrow, super excited. Going to play Valhalla, one of the best courses in the whole United States. Um, I mean... what What's the... If you don't mind me asking, how much is it around? So, my caddy is going to cost me $100. <laughs> Jesus. And then it's going to be another 300 on top of that for just my round of play. So it's walking. Like, literally, they don't have carts. So you're going to be walking like professionals. Like, it, it is literally like yeah. the uh, – they don't have cart paths. It's mm-hmm. like Oakmont yeah. to refer to something in Pennsylvania. You know, it's – the moral of the story is it's less than we're going to lose the track on Friday. So, <laughs> so it's going to be the cheapest expense of my whole trip. Yeah. Yeah, so so $400, I mean, you, I mean you're getting pretty good value then because you're probably going to get, what, you know, pay $4 a shot um, when you shoot 100 So Ooh. So you're getting pretty good value there if you think I cannot about it. wait to shoot 78. I'm actually, going sh- to frame that and I'm going to send it to you. Actually, it's going to be $420 that it's going to cost you. So, you know, really that's $4.20 per shot. T, you know, people have these dreams. Like, yeah, Martin Luther King did. Before I ever had confirmation that I was playing Valhalla, I had a dream oh, that I made my first hole-in-one at Valhalla. And that dream is going to come true tomorrow. Valhalla, going the to Vikings... Be Heaven. I'm going to be playing in Vikings Heaven, and I'm <laughs> going to make my first home on one. Hey, go, go Vikings. <laughs> oh, 
No, not really. Hey, the Vikings have not picked up. They boy, have. My boy Teddy Bridgewater's uh, from yeah. Hugoville, which is right down the street. That's all I got. And to speak upon that point, Teddy Bridgewater has not been picked up on his fifth year option, so they do not have much confidence in his recovery of his shredded knee or performance before that. So there's that. Yeah, as I think well. that has, has to do more with the catastrophic injury he suffered. Um, yeah, his I, believe Sammy, I, I believe Sammy Watkins' option wasn't picked up today either. So that's some news out of Buffalo. Um, we got Valhalla got a free plug. Humana got a free plug. Um, we'll give a free plug to the whole city of Louisville. I was there once. One of the best places I ever visited. Um, that's right. Shout out to Alex for living there, for basically running the whole city I hear. That's what I hear up here anyway. That That's the way it is. <laughs> Adam, I want a Chris 20, and I want Aaron to sign it because he's too cheap to bet me on this. Yeah, he is cheap. <laughs> I cannot wait to shoot 78 tomorrow at Valhalla. I will have all kinds of Snapchats for you guys. Follow me on Snapchat, jgore underscore 24. It's going to yep. be legit. Follow me on Twitter, at Jeremy A. Gordon. Um, I have a pretty awesome dog, and it is awesome. Not just saying that. It is an awesome dog. What, are, we, what are you, free plugging pets now, too? Everything's going to plug. Everything's hey. plug this episode. Hey, don't shop a dog. <laughs> Petfinder.com free plug. We're, we're just throwing everything out. Hey, that's where I got her, Petfinder.com, baby. All right, Petfinder.com. If you're listening, we take sponsorship. Yep, we're open to sponsorship opportunities from any of the previously mentioned companies. <laughs> All right, so what I'm hearing, I think this concludes go. our podcast. Everyone, come see us next time when we talk about where have all the quarterbacks gone. Hey, I expect to see you guys in Louisville for uh, the next derby. First Saturday of May 2018. We'll see you guys down here.